on weeknights from 6 on 2FM. Well, a big thanks to the two Johnnies and Africa for driving us through the afternoon. It is Monday, November 6th. I'm Shane Dawson and you're listening to Game On. Coming up between now and 7pm, we have a feast of football. As Conan Byrne and Alan Colley pick their League of Ireland team of the season, Stephen Kelly will be joining a conversation to reflect on a dramatic weekend of Premier League action as well as previewing tonight's London derby. In rugby, Michael Corkin will round up all of the URC highlights and plenty more besides. We'll also hear from a, some Irish hockey stars. Sean Dan the Irish women's coach uh, in particular as Olympic qualification details are confirmed and we'll wrap up today's news headlines. As always, if you want to have your say, drop us a text 51552. Game on on 2FM. Yes, hello there. Great to have your uh, company. Uh, before we get into news headlines, Alan Colley, you're in studio. How are you, sir? I'm good, Shane. How are you? Good, 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 good. We will be hearing from Sean Dancer in due course. Um, but uh, it is usually at the time where we do, you know, go around the house, ask about sporting highlights from the weekend. Ruby is usually here to cover racing. But the next best thing, Alan Carley, soccer pundit. <laughs> I'm not stepping into Ruby's shoes. You, now well, I may as well get, the, get one bit of news out, out of the way today before we reflect on the weekend is Dennis O'Regan is the first jockey to ride a winner in every current jumps race course in Ireland and Britain. O'Regan was on board the Keen Collins trained 515 to take victory in the Novices Hurdle at Hereford uh, this afternoon. So massive congratulations mm. to uh, Dennis O'Regan. However, your sporting highlight wasn't Premier League. It wasn't League of Ireland. You're, you're going a bit rogue well, here Well, the League Ireland is over. Yeah. So it couldn't have been one of those over the weekend. And although Shell's comeback was pretty good, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it yeah. was, it was. But we'll, we'll t- we won't reveal yet, actually. We're going to get your thoughts in a moment. This is your, one of your sporting uh, highlights from the weekend. Mustadoff is underway. Blue Silks has to cover real estate, but Mustadoff is making a nice move. And Auguste Rodin is looking to find a spot while saving ground, trying to hunt the rail and get through along the inside. And here comes Auguste Rodin with a furlong left to go. Up to the mark, these two are coming to battle it out. And from the back of the field, Onesto is starting to pick it up late. Auguste Rodin with a perfect ride from Ryan Moore will win the Longines Breeders' Cup turf. Was a solid second. Shariar finished up in third. Gold Phoenix was rallying into fourth in front of King of Steel. So, Alan Cott, you love Ryan Moore, isn't it? That's, I, that's a- well, I love Aidan O'Brien. Okay. I absolutely love Aidan O'Brien. And I'm a huge fan of Ryan Moore. Okay. And I suppose the question I wanted to ask, and it's a pity Ruby isn't here, but I will ask him another time, because I know obviously he has huge respect in, in that world for, for both of those mm. men. But and it's hard, I'm not sure how to phrase this question, but for people listening in, obviously we have our three or four best sports people and Roy Keane is my number one. Okay. And people will argue Brian O'Driscoll and Porrick Harrington. They're yeah. generally the three or four that are always kind of... Katie. Yeah, Yeah, up there, yeah. yeah so here's the yeah. three or four. Can you put Aidan O'Brien into that? Or do you have to be an Why actual not? sports person? if you know what I mean he he's a, the trainer so he's not actually out on the field or he's not riding the horses but I think his achievements are absolutely unbelievable mm. now people will argue oh well he is the ammunition the horse you still have to train them and the expectation that's on him is probably even more than anyone else in terms of training because you have to keep coming up with those winners and he does year after year in all the classics all the big races 
Yes, he has the best jockey, but there's pressure with that as well, mm. as Ruby will tell you, in riding the best horses when he was obviously doing it for Willie Mullins. Um, and I love Willie Mullins as much, but I just think Aidan O'Brien, in how he carries himself, how he conducts himself as an ambassador for Ireland and a representative for Ireland on the world stage, he's just unbelievable, Shane. Mm. No, I agree. I agree. Like, he's a he's a tactician. He is someone who... who puts his life and soul into it midweek as well putting in the you know the the hard yards if you will as well yeah. so yeah I'd say he's definitely oh he's it. flat out in yeah. terms but of but he's yeah. definitely should be in in that bracket just because yeah. he, he doesn't well that's where I'm trying to people to differentiate in the yeah. fact he's not the one on the pitch scoring the goals if you like I know but, it, but I think racing is different in, in that sense that he's but, but he has to be to in it. the conversation oh completely he's completely. phenomenal Five one five five two. If you disagree, yeah, I'm interested to know because, like, obviously Keane and all those brilliant ones, mm. and I love. But I just think he's amazing. In and as I said, even more so on how he behaves and conducts himself. There was even an interview prior to the big race before he even won because his other strong fancy was taken out of the race that morning, scratched and couldn't run. Who was the one kind of that they were really fancy, and or was that on Friday? But even the way he he accepted that. And they were so disappointed about it. Yeah. But he accepted it and gave his explanation for it without any meltdowns like Mikel Arteta. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get to that later on. But um, he's just amazing. I think he's amazing. Yeah, cool under pressure. He's the calmest man in Ireland anyway. Isn't <laughs> just, he? From, like, just from looking at him. Uh, but no, that is certainly, it's an interesting uh, topic and perhaps one we will delve into in detail. Um, when Ruby's here, I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to be able to... I hope he's listening there yeah. and he can think about it and text uh, me. 51552 is the text number of Ruby Walsh and anyone else who wants to have their uh, views aired. Um, we will be chatting Mikel Arteta at League of Ireland plenty more uh, besides in due course. So Alan Colley, you're going to be sticking around. Um, but first, hockey news. And Ireland's path to the Olympic Games has become clearer after the draw was made for the men's and women's qualifying tournaments in Spain in January. 16 teams will compete in both events divided into two groups of eight with the top three nations in each advancing to the 2024 Paris Games. The men's team who won the Euro Hockey Division 2 title this year to advance to the Valencia event will be in Pool A with Austria, Belgium, Egypt, Japan, Korea, Spain and Ukraine. Ireland's women's team will also be based in Valencia with games against Belgium, Great Britain, Canada, Korea, Malaysia, Spain and Ukraine to come. And we can hear from uh, the Irish women's uh, head coach, Sean Dancer now, reacting to that draw. We're obviously very excited now to know what will happen in January. It's been a little bit of a long time wait. We had our European qualifying tournament in uh, European qualifier in August, so uh, we had to wait until the after the Pan Ams and the the African tournaments to be finished. So, yeah, look, we found out this morning uh, that we're now in Spain. So it is very cutthroat to make the Olympics. The top three teams out of the eight will qualify, and there's two tournaments. So if we were in Spain or in India, both tournaments are going to be very challenging, but. Look, we're, we're happy going to Spain. I think there's a couple of good things. Obviously, the logistics are probably a little bit easier for us, but also uh, the opportunity there with the men as well. So we're certainly hoping the Irish crowd get over there and can we be the uh, the home away team? That'd be great. 2FM. Game on. Rugby. Now it is time to chat rugby and I'm delighted to say that RTE Sports Michael Corcoran uh, joins us now. Uh, Michael, after an exciting weekend of URC action, so round three is done and dusted. Connacht rallied for a remarkable comeback win over Ulster to make it three wins from three and climb to the top of the URC table. Munster second, Bulls third and in six teams are level on ten points in a tightly packed table. Is this the, the time of the year now? The World Cup's done and dusted that, that the URC really starts to 
to gather pace and, and pick up and uh, get a bit more interest as well, I suppose. Shane, yeah, it's like over the course of the last three weekends, um, it's like it's as, as if the competition is kind of cranked up week by week. Uh, so there's a bit more intensity as teams are getting more game minutes into their legs. Um, and then you kind of, you know, you go through all the press stuff that's happening already so far this week and you see head coaches confirming that players who are involved in the Rugby World Cup from an Ireland point of view are back training. Some of them will be available next weekend. Uh, so again, it's going to go up another level. And it's always a kind of tricky time of the year, really, for the coaches where you have a, a sort of a glut of players, particularly with Leinster, um, coming back, there's been so many of them involved with Ireland. Um, so the question is, as Glasgow had a problem a couple of weeks ago, do you try and put, you know, you, you have to kind of drip feed them into the starting team and on the bench and try and get the minutes right and judge that correctly over the next while because that's crucial. We saw, you mentioned Connacht, we saw Connacht-Glasgow match a few weeks ago where Glasgow had quite a lot of uh, players who played with Scotland against Ireland in, in, the, um, in the World Cup and they kind of lumped them all in to the starting team and they had four or five more who involved in the World Cup at the bench and it just didn't quite happen for them at the sports ground and and um, and, and Connacht won on that occasion. So, you know, it'll be down to the discretion of the uh, the head coaches in conjunction with um, RFU management, Andy Farrell and people like that. Um, minutes will be managed um, and playing time for the players will be, will be managed as well. But it's um, it's beginning, it, it's, it's beginning to get uh, kind of serious if you it's not that it wasn't for the last three weeks but um it'll 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 notch up another level again this week with uh, obviously there's another local derby too yeah how much can we read in to results so far like i mean i suppose traditionally and perhaps it might be doing a disservice to connacht it, it would seem when when the international players are away when you're talking about the irish provinces that it's leinster and munster usually most affected a bit ulster and, and connacht not so much now that is changing of course mm. a bit and, and hopefully um i think bundyaki finley Balam and, and mac hansen are, are set to return pete wilkins was on, on media duty today so like how much can we read into the connacht's good start to the season so far well, they've had a long pre-season. I think it's something like 17 or 18 weeks in, in a build-up to the to the start of the campaign. Um, so they're obviously keen to make a good first impression, if you understand what I mean. Mm. I mean, they've got Pete Wilkins there, John Muldoon is back, Mark Sexton, Scott Farley, Colin Tuck, or Collie Tucker is there also. Like, they have a really good, solid coaching group involved with them. Um, the, new, the new pitch is is absolutely terrific and it really does suit the type of game that Connacht want to play which is kind of full bells and whistles it's all action it's end to end stuff and we saw that um you know last weekend against Ulster where also having played with a really strong wind in the opening half of the match got a converted try at the start of the second half and it looked as if it was uh you know it looked as if it was kind of a, a very very tough uphill task but like Connor, Connor have massive self belief. Um, the crowd were well into the game. Uh, they got two tries in the space of about seven or eight minutes, and all of a sudden, it was an entirely different game. Um, and you know, they obviously Dermot Hill Gallons try at the end for the win. It. It's now three wins out of three for them. Contrast that to their really poor start last uh, year. Um, but you know that the the issue for them is they're away against um, Edinburgh this week, and then they face the daunting task of a trip to uh, to South Africa to play two of the teams down there so 
we'll kind of know more about where teams are, if you like, really after, probably after round six. That'll be a better indication as to how the season is going to go. But certainly from a Connacht point of view, the season started really, really well for them. Uh, no real surprise that the South African teams are struggling because obviously, you know, South Africa have been involved with the Rugby World Cup and they're, they're, uh, <laughs> they're using a lot of energy driving around South Africa with the Cup at the moment uh, <laughs> and not really concentrating on playing rugby. And I think that's reflected in some of the performances of some of their teams on the pitch as well too. I mean, the Sharks with John Plumtree involved zero from zero from, from their point of view. Um, you know, so, um, I mean, we'll just con- concentrate on the Irish teams for now. But, yeah, Connacht, um, good start for them. Leinster will be better. They will have to be better. Leo Cullen was particularly grumpy after the match, saying that they were very patchy. They were not great against uh, Glasgow. They beat the Sharks. That's not really the badge of honour that it used to be before because the Sharks are so poor. Um, I think Munster have yet to be tested. Uh, they beat the Dragons over the course of the weekend. Good, strong, solid performance by them. You can only beat the the team, you know, that's put in front of you. Uh, they weren't great the week before against um, against uh, uh, Treviso uh, and a late a late try from Tom Heron and that one for to for to get a draw. Um, so and, and Ulster are a bit kind of patchy as well too. So. You know, considering the team they had out last week, maybe Dan McFarland was kind of reasonably happy leaving Galway with a losing bonus point, given the fact that um, the vast majority of his starting team were either unavailable or injured or in Belfast with their feet up watching the match on the television. So, you know, the, the next the next three matches are huge for everybody and then we'll be in a better position to see. But it's, like your opening remarks are 100% right, there's a, it's a, it's a very, very tight table at the moment. I think it's only three points separating the top eight or nine teams so one slip at all and all of a sudden you're outside the top eight the top eight being important this year because that's um, that's going to be the criteria for, for the Champions Cup for next season Absolutely you mentioned how uh, the, the form of the teams uh, will pan out over the next while Connacht do have that tough trip to Edinburgh and Connacht head coach Pete Wilkins was speaking today about improving Connacht's away form We've looked really closely at our away game form we've looked really closely at how we manage those away games, not just in the 80 minutes that we play in some of those games that we've, you know, probably underwhelmed in, been a bit underwhelming in, but but also in terms of how we prepare for those games, what the week looks like, uh, the lead-in, the travel, the, the time at the hotel. So we've really picked that apart. Um, I, I don't think there's a silver bullet in there, but we're certainly looking at that really closely. And, uh, you know, it, it's a neat challenge to have three away games in a row to to try some of those things out and see what kind of progress we're making in that respect as well. Uh, Michael, final question on, on Connacht because I do want to uh, just mention Munster and some uh, injury news as well mm. for, for the province. But Jack Carty, uh, you mentioned Dermot Kilgallen's uh, winning try, but it came from a really well-timed kick from Jack Carty and then his opposite uh, out-half, Jake Flannery for Ulster, kicked all their first-half points. Ulster did have a 17-points lead at, at one stage. Like, for Jack Carty, all the talk, obviously, now with Johnny Sexton retired is, is on, on Crowley and Ross Byrne and all. Will Jack Carty need to have a really big season? Do you envisage him having one? I think he will have a big season. His his one of his difficulties is actually getting into the Connacht team uh, because JJ Hanrahan has played the first two games and has been absolutely terrific. I think it's nine kicks out of nine for him. Wasn't quite right with a tight hamstring for the game last weekend. Um, and JJ, you know, provides uh, other other stability there if you understand what I mean. So. For, for Jack Carthy, I'm not writing him off at all, but I mean, for Jack Carthy, he's got to firstly get into the Connacht team. Uh, now, he is the captain. 
but there'll be huge competition between himself and JJ over the course of the season. And, and I don't think that will bring out the best in, in the two of them, um, really. So uh, will Jack have a big season? I, I, think he pretty, I think he will. I mean, he's playing alongside Caelan Blade, who has been absolutely terrific in the first uh, three matches that he's been involved in. So, you know, again, the brand of, the brand of football that, uh, that Connacht are playing will certainly suit them. And nobody knows the sports ground better than Jack Carthy does. Um, so he, he, he has a big, uh, there is a big opportunity there. Yeah, Jack Crowley was the man who was kind of in possession of the 10 shirt at the Rugby World Cup. But um, there's going to be a big stampede and a big fight and, and big opportunities for players over the coming weeks with all of these uh, interprovincial matches front-loaded towards the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the start of the campaign and with Europe coming up as well. So that will only benefit um, Irish rugby in the long term. When I said long term, I mean with the uh, Six Nations Championship coming up um, in February. Well, we do have one big Interpro this uh, coming Friday at Ravenhill, Ulster host Munster. Uh, and I mentioned earlier Aki Bealham Hansen in contention for Connacht uh, this weekend, according to Pete Wilkins. But it's bad news for Munster rugby. Orgy Snyman has been uh, ruled out for an indefinite period of time, Michael. Yeah, it's kind of worrying because he has, a, we're told, a, a chest shoulder injury. Now, I gather that he picked up the injury on the pitch rather than giving fellas haircuts, which I've seen plenty of uh, videos of him doing that throughout the course of the aftermath and the celebrations when South Africa won the Rugby World Cup. So um, the, the problem is he hasn't had the surgery yet, so therefore they can't give a recovery time. So it kind of bothers me slightly when people say, I don't mean you, but when it's said an indefinite period because uh, that could be anything. Um, so until such time as he has the surgery, um, nobody knows how long he's going to be out for. We don't know the exact precise nature of the injury either, but from his point of view, um, I mean, his, his, his time in Munster has been blighted with, um, with ACL injuries, two of them, one, one straight after the other. Uh, he did come back towards the end of last season and played a key role for Munster winning the, the URC. Um, and then obviously that propelled him into the South Africa squad for the Rugby World Cup. So I hope he's not ruled out for too long. Uh, because I mean, you know, I mean, he's a world-class player, a double World Cup winner with um, South Africa, and is a huge asset to Munster. Um, and um, certainly, the longer he's out of the team, the worse it will be for Munster. Well, it will be interesting to see how that one uh, does play out. A match, of course, you can listen to uh, live on Radio 1 Extra this coming Friday night. You're on commentary duty. Um, Michael Corkin, I do uh, believe, for Ulster versus Munster. Uh, final one, just to round it up, because you, you've kind of covered all bases there, uh, to be fair. But just, just on Leinster, um, their way to Dragons on Sunday afternoon. Sunday. Yeah. Like, do they have now it's just this conveyor belt of talent. Like, who's kind of standing out now and who, who are the ones that you'd really say, right, these guys are going to be nailed on, perhaps for getting into a Leinster first team when those Irish internationals are back? It's always a difficult one for them because they've got so many talented players. But Leo Cullen, you know, has said over the last number of years that the players who play while the internationals are away are the players who are responsible for getting Leinster to the knockout stages of both competitions, both the URC and and the ERC, um, or the you know the Champions mm, Cup. I mean, yeah. primarily we're talking about the URC here, um, you know. But 
Yeah, again, he's got to drip feed the players back in over the course of the next couple of um, weekends. You mentioned the fact that uh, they're playing the Dragons uh, this weekend, home to the Scarlets the week after, and then they're home to Munster the week after that, which is where I would expect that everything will be kind of ratcheted up from their point of view. So I would imagine that they will try and spread the returning players over the course of this coming weekend and the following weekend with a view to being at full strength for the match against Munster at, um, at the Aviva Stadium on the 25th of November. Um, now, they do have a game against Connacht then the following week, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at European rugby. So, in, 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 terms, in, terms, of, of, uh, in terms of Leinster, you would imagine the players who are coming back are going to... Uh, once, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, then the players are going to be more, more or less nailed on for the for jerseys one to one to fifteen, with a few exceptions, um, and it's the it's the su- supporting role, if I can call it that, um, you know, is 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 what's at stake for the next uh, over the last couple of weeks, and indeed for the next few weeks, it'll be interesting to see how they're going to use, say, for example, Sam Prendergast. Harry Byrne has done well um, in the absence of his brother Ross, so Ross Byrne has to come back in. I assume Sam Prendergast is going to get um, some more game time. Um, Jameson Gibson Park will be back in there. You know, Jack Conan didn't see an awful lot of time at the Rugby World Cup because he was injured. So he'll 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 want to be involved. But then Max Deegan has has done well in the last couple of weeks also. So it's um it's a big chance, a big opportunity um, for for Leinster. And again, as always with them, it's a bit of a juggling act in try, in terms of trying to get the balance right. Um, and, um, and and getting everybody um, sort of equal number of, of, of game minutes into their into their system ahead of the bigger games that come up. Well, it will be interesting to see how uh, that does balance out. And I suppose a good headache to have for Leo Cullen and indeed uh, Graham Roundtree with the likes of Ireland under-20 star Brian Gleeson scoring his first try um, for Munster over the weekend uh, as well. So nice to see talent coming through. For now, we'll leave it there. Michael Corkin, thank you very much. Game on. Football. Now you're very welcome back to Game On as we chat League of Ireland with two League of Ireland stalwarts Alan Colley and Conan Byrne gentlemen it is great to chat uh, I suppose only one place to start we are going to be doing a league review we're going to get your teams of the season but Shamrock Rovers an historic four in a row and it was a cracking atmosphere in Tallis Stadium record attendance well it really felt like a proper proper Friday night football in the League of Ireland and let's hear from Stephen Bradley with Tony O'Donoghue before we hear from yourself Alan and yourself Conan Yeah it's a special night yeah Tony you know we've worked so hard and the pressure going into the season was incredible on the players and everyone was saying about the four in a row and, and we wanted to try and join them and, and uh, these players have been incredible and given us an incredible night like tonight 8,000 people here, a record as well for a, a Shamrock Rovers home game. I mean, this place is hopping. Yeah, it's unbelievable to see. When we came in, there would have been 1,200 here. It was dead on its knees, and the players have done incredible to get to this point, and hopefully we can take it to 10,000 next year. That's the plan, you know. But uh, this, yeah. this begins to look like a proper football industry, a pitch like this, a crowd like this, and an achievement like yours. Yeah, look, we, we uh, to be fair to the club and everyone, we, we put a plan in place and, and we've stuck to it and we're here now. But look, we're not finished. There's work to be done. We want to fill this place out, 10,000 on a regular basis next year. We want to go for five. We want to go down as one of the best teams to ever do it. We'll enjoy this weekend, but after that, it's planning for the next one. We want more. Uh, we can't stop. You can't afford to stop and rest because there's other teams coming for you. So we need to understand the, the culture that Alan and Ron have, have helped us build. We need to build on that now and get better and better. Well done. Thank you. 
So, we want to be the best team. We want to go for five in a row. Conan Byrne, do you feel Stephen Bradley will be there to oversee a potential drive for five? Yeah, I think so, Shane, coming out media reports over the weekend. It seems to think that his, things are moving along nicely for him. I probably would have said something differently maybe after the Pats game, after what he was saying post-match, after that or even before it, in the lead-up to that game. But things have seemed to be moving along nicely for Stephen Bradley and Shamrock Rovers fans. I'm sure we'd be delighted to hear that that news that things are moving on quite nicely. But like you said, like he said himself, he, he wants to be there for five in a row. There's no doubt about that. Um, the only manager to win four, obviously, after the, the two separate managers back in the 80s to do it. So to do it four in a row is unbelievable. But for a, t- for a manager to do it five in a row, at, and look, he's only 38 years of age as well, is pretty incredible. And who's going to stop them, you know, with considering how well they've won this league, considering they haven't been great, um, but they're, they, they still routed everybody else in terms of the, the, their league position and, and points tally compared to the rest of them. So, yeah, I've, I've no doubt that he'll be there f- um, in the dugout um, next year for, for five in a row. A proper football industry as well. And I did feel like that. Everything that's happening at Shamrock Rovers um, as well. It's kind of strange, I suppose, that these nervous headaches for fa- for Shamrock Rovers fans perhaps at the moment w- with regard to will Stephen be there or not and everything else going on because it seems to be everything is just falling into into place with for the club Yeah I think Stephen will be there um, from the comments that we've heard since obviously Friday but there's no dispute and there's trouble going on Shane there's major trouble going on uh, in terms of the club and the background and there's a major power struggle going on so one thing that might derail them might be themselves never mind the opposition and I think that's something that we'll all I suppose keep our eyes peeled on throughout the off season mm-hmm. as well because it's one thing Stephen saying he wants to stay there but obviously there's issues in terms of the board members uh, the academy set up as well and there's obviously a big divide and a big power struggle playing out at the moment behind the scenes a little bit in public as well so then you look at the finances in terms of the budget that they're operating off it's the biggest in the country by a, la- by a long mm. stretch uh, that will have to be reduced because of obviously the failure in Europe as well so in terms of the squad that he's built over the past four or five years since Stephen has been there there'll definitely be departures and big departures we already know about two because of the retirements well Rowan and not, not so much yeah. and he'll play on but Alamanis uh, but then the likes of some of the key players I know Gaffney uh, people are after Gaffney and he's basically saying there's no contract there for him now I think in the last two or three weeks there's been a contract put in front of him but there's definitely suitors after the likes of him as well and probably others Jack Byrne I know has been mentioned and touted around with other clubs too so that will be interesting to see just how that plays out um, all those developments and I suppose we won't know until maybe January February when the team starts to assemble their squads and get themselves back together for pre-season just how they're looking on paper but there'll definitely be departures and there is no disputing whatsoever even from the comments that we've heard in recent weeks and the article that we read in The Independent from Dan McDonald mm. at the weekend as well there is major trouble going on behind the scenes Well it will be interesting then going into next season and listen I mean the league's only only finished yet <laughs> we've a couple of minutes to, a couple of months to enjoy I suppose the off-season before the, the chaos of Friday Night Football um, resumes Alan I, just to, to stay with yourself Derry City mm. like they finished what, seven points off Shamrock Rovers and a lot of people thought it'd be a lot closer I think to this title race what hasn't clicked for Derry yeah I thought it would be as well Ron and when you are um, Shane. Shane sorry <laughs> when you actually think back to I suppose the points tally that uh, Shamrock Rovers hit last year was 79 and obviously this year after winning the league on 72 so 7 less and the gap that Derry had to make up, make up from last year was 13 points 
Derry actually finished the season when you look at it on 65 now so they haven't even made up any they're one less than where they were last year so they've made no inroads whatsoever on Shamrock Rovers compares to last season one of the main reasons I think that Shane and I've looked back over the two seasons when you think of Derry's form at home and you think of any league champions form at home your home really is your fortress and um if you're going on to win a league, no matter what league it is, you always are strong at mm. home. You look at Derry's home form when you date back to last year. They played 17 mas- matches, uh, sorry, 18 matches last year and they only won eight games in the home form last year. You carry it on to this year, played 18 matches and they only won nine. When you contrast that to Shamrock Rovers' home form last year, they won 16 out of 18 at home and this year they're after winning 13 out of 18 at home. So the home form is phenomenal and when you actually contrast that then, Shane, to their away form Derry's it's the best in the league so if you marry it up the away form last year uh, again they picked up 35 points and this year they have 32 points the best in the league away from home on grass pitches and people might uh, might be thinking who might not know about Derry's pitch or oh, what's the story in terms of the, the grass and obviously uh, the artificial surface that they play on it is an artificial surface and I think it's a major major issue for Derry City and that's based on two years evidence not just not one season their home form is dreadful when you compare it to obviously league champions and even other teams around that are pushing for your as well and it's holding them back massively unless that gets addressed I'm not sure in terms of what they can do because I think it might be council owned and obviously Institute play on it as well and it's been rented out during the week for for different games as well from what I hear so it's a major major issue for Rory Higgins because we all know how Rory wants to approach the game how he wants to play the attractive brand of football the technical players that he has in that team but they're being hindered massively because of that pitch Yeah do you think that's going to be an issue going forward uh, for Derry City Conan would you agree? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think even Rory Higgins himself has has commented on the pitch and and how much it's stopping them from or heeding them from competing at the top end of the table. I think it's proof, and Alan just rightly proved that there with his with his stats over the last two years. Because you have players in that squad that are cap- that that have won leagues before, the likes of Michael Duffy, Patrick McElhenney, and um, Cameron Dumagan. And but you look at the top end of the pitch as well. They're not scoring enough goals. Like the, their striker Jamie McGonagall got only five league goals in twenty four starts. And um, their their main player was Jordan McIniff, who couldn't get a game at Shelburne last season. He scored eight goals. So I do think the the at the top end of the pitch they're, they're not scoring. Um, and he will have to invest in the squad. But like Alan said, you can invest all you want, but you need to get your home form correct. And unless that pitch gets that gets taken up and put down with a grass pitch. I could like that. That's my point earlier on about Shamrock Rovers. I can't see anybody else catching them. Mm. Even parts of parts the centre of corners, right? That's the other big issue. Obviously, the pitch there we pointed out in terms of the points tally and and how much of a hindrance it is for them. But the centre forward issue as well. And I know he signed Colin Whelan and he's been he's been unlucky, obviously, with yeah. the injuries to Colin. Um, but the other lads just haven't stepped up. The likes of McGonagall, Key, and Kavanagh, uh, they've hit nowhere near the numbers that you need to be hitting if you're part of a, a championship winning team. Well, it will be interesting to see the headaches for Rory Higgins. There's headaches for Shelburne fans uh, at the minute as well because there is no white smoke in Damien Duff's future. Let's hear from the man himself. Uh, yeah, listen, we'll see what happens in the off-season. Uh, nothing's been put in front of me. If it was uh, if it was up to Johnny Watson, I'd, I would have been given the contract uh, right in front of me six months ago, but it's not up to him. So, uh, here, like I said, I'm just going to enjoy the night and enjoy uh, the dressing room because, like I've said, from many months now the only people that's going to affect what happens on the pitch is the people inside that dressing room and it proved right 
Johnny Watson, the uh, kit man for Shells and, and head of morale for those. Uh, Johnny Watson was giving out contracts. Shane, you'd have one as well. <laughs> Tony, you know Johnny Watson. Look, we're not getting into a Johnny Watson conversation Legends. because I say the two of you boys have, have plenty of uh, stories um, about Johnny Watson. But um, on, on a serious note, Conan, how disastrous would it be for Shelburne if Damien Duff was to step away as manager? Absolutely huge, um, and I'd know a couple of players within that dressing room as well who'd who'd echo those sentiments as well because he's been absolutely phenomenal within the dressing room, um, and how they've managed to come from where they were over the last number of seasons to put themselves in a position now where they could claim a European spot, which is quite simply remarkable. Um, and even Duff, I know that was with Siobhan Madigan, mm. but even with Shells TV when he was saying that he'd be fifty percent angry and fifty percent heartbroken if he's not in the dugout next season but he'd still be in the Riverside stand with the Red Brigade and it's it's it just goes to show the passion that he has for the football club the love that he has for it um, it's infectious among the, the the players but more importantly the fans the atmosphere around Talker Park is nothing like that I've seen I know Alan played back in the glory days of Shells I certainly didn't and the atmosphere around the ground is completely different to when I was there um, and it's just it's phenom- phenomenal to see and now I know you could argue it's like that at, at most grounds around the country yes but even where I live in Swords I'm just seeing Shelburne um, Shelburne jerseys uh, jumpers my, where I teach in Rush again jerseys and jumpers coming into school so it's it's the, the part the, the the product that he has made Shelburne himself and the profile that he's brought the club is can't be underestimated and it's nearly more of a travesty that if he didn't get the if he doesn't if he's not in the dugout next year even more so than Bradley yeah no it is interesting I think a lot of credit to Tony O'Neill the community officer in Shells as well it's certainly a shrewd signing for the club um, have Shells completely overachieved this season Alan and, and would you would you have Damien in, in the running for, for manager of the year oh he's absolutely in the running for manager of the year Shane and even if you look at the points tallies what we've obviously spoken about in terms of Shamrock Rovers dropped off where they were last year Dirty City as well were 66 they're only 65 so they've dropped off Pats have gone up by a point Shelburne have gone up 19 points from where they were last year so that just goes to show you the improvement Shane mm. they finished on 41 and 22 and they're finishing on 60 now obviously in that European in slot as well all depending on the game Sunday so he's done a phenomenal job I always thought he would do a phenomenal job given the time um, I suppose last year was just about maybe establishing themselves back in the Premier Division without setting themselves any unrealistic targets this year was another year after the cup final and the disappointment of stepping on in the league and we've seen that absolutely of course Jack Moylan's going to be a huge loss mm. but Conan's right the biggest loss of them all is if they lose the manager because he's built exactly what's going on there because you think of uh, in terms of the how good they are defensively as well um, he brings all that structure to them all that shape the hard work on the training ground that kind of fire in his belly that he has that transfers onto the pitch with the players and the fans in, in the stand and the atmosphere and it, and it feels like for the first time in a long time that the fire is alive again in, in, in Shelburne mm. and there's something happening so it would be an absolute travesty if he wasn't and if I was the owners and I know there, there might be a couple of issues in terms of uh, their only new owners gone in but he'd be the first name that mm. you'd be pinning down to the football club absolutely Certainly concerning that as in media the 60% majority shareholders in Tolka haven't got this deal over the line yet if it does transpire to um, occur we're on the managerial uh, topics and we're going to continue on that because we're going to hear from Declan Devine of course Bohemians preparing for an FAI Cup final this weekend Two games to go in our league campaign, we were targeting the second place. But it's the nature of the league this year, it's been tight from start to finish. So we were really disappointed, obviously, to finish outside the top four. But 
This is another opportunity. Um, we've worked hard to get here, and we certainly don't want to let it pass us by because the club needs to be in Europe, really. I think that's that's something we all agree on. A club of this magnitude should be in Europe, but also it's an opportunity to add silverware that hasn't been done here in 15 years, so it's it's a big day for everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's your first season in charge here, and, you know, it started so well for you. Were you surprised how quickly you got a tune out of your players? No, I think there was always a, a huge turnover of players. I think there was 14 out and 15 in. So there was always going to be highs and lows this year. Disappointed after the break, we didn't pick up as many points as we should have done. But that, if you look right throughout every team, every team in the, in the league this year is in the same boat. There's points left behind, left, right and centre right throughout the course of the season but it's certainly something we'll be looking at at the end of the season when the game's over on Sunday we'll be analysing where we've left points behind and, and making sure we don't do it again If Bowles don't win the Cup on Sunday Conan Byrne how much pressure is Declan Devine under to remain as Bowles manager? Um, yeah I think just because of the fact they started the season so well expectation went through the roof with Bohemians. You know, I, I kind of rem- I remember myself thinking that they'd be they would finish mid-table, considering that the squad that they have, the amount of new players that were coming into the team, and they just started off so so well. But it's just that stage, late August, early September, where they really struggled. They only picked up four points from a possible fifteen, and then to the end of the season, losing at home to Pats and away to Dundalk, put the nail in the coffin in terms of a European spot for them. So, into well coming up to the cup final anyway they, they could get over the line but I just can't see it so in terms of it like I'd see I'd nearly see it as a realistic season for them considering the the, the, the players that they have um, the new group that, that was brought to the club he, remember he's only after he only had a couple of games at the end of last season before coming into this season himself Um it's a rebuilding time for Bohemians is that the way I would put it of course he'd be disappointed with some of the performances the loss of Keith Buckley obviously going into the cup final is going to be huge um, but yeah I, I think it's to, to say putting pressure on or you'd be under pressure if they don't get a European spot I think is a bit a bit, bit early um, because I do think that given time another year he might bring in more players that, that he needs to bring in especially defensively Um will probably push them push them that little bit up more up the table but um, Sunday's absolutely huge for the club considering the, 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 the amount of stuff that goes on in the community at Bohemians is incredible and you want success with to be built on that as well um, and it'd just be unfortunate for them if they, if they can't get it over the line To be fair to Declan Shane the start it's the second half of the season and not even the second half the, I suppose it was one third of the season really where they were so good mm. and it was the other games after that that's what's killed them I think I would agree with Conan to say he's under pressure if they don't win the cup is probably a bit extreme but because he had such a good start I think it is a failure that they didn't finish in the top four when you think they were 20 point, 21 points out of 27 after nine games and I know the expectation went through the roof but then they only picked up 34 points out of 78 in the next 26 games like that's dreadful form mm. so if you look at the points tally though in fairness they have improved from last year they've gone up by 12 points so it is it'd be, it'd be very harsh I think to say he's under pressure but the pressure that is on that game now because of the league stuff is absolutely monumental yeah and comments made I think to uh, the Daily Mount yeah I don't think that helps I don't think that was a wise move about coming coming home so um, one man that will be in the dugout next year is John Russell Alan because Sligo Rovers confirmed in the past half hour that uh, John Russell will lead the club into the 2024 men's Premier Division um, season nine players have departed the club Are, are you surprised to see John Russell and Sligo um, sticking with each other 
Uh, not really, because the I suppose the word I was getting the last two or three weeks is that he would be staying on. Am I surprised that he's staying on after the season that he's had? Mm. Absolutely, because it's been an absolute disaster. Again, when you look at the tallies, what we're talking about, they've dropped back 12 points. Um, 10 wins in the whole year, only three away from home. Their home form has been dreadful. Went out of the cup early as well. Signings haven't worked out. Off a good budget. Don't let anybody tell you that it's not a good budget. It was a good budget this year. Full-time setup, full-time resources. Um yeah, they're going to keep him on. I know the budget's going to be cut back. It has to be after the disappointing this year. But he needs major improvements next year. And can I see them coming? Now the fact that Galway are getting promoted and they'll have money behind him. Cork, uh, if they stay up, or Waterford, they're both full-time clubs as well. You would expect improvements from them. So there'll be major pressure on Sligo Rovers um, next year. And yeah, you're rewarding mediocrity. Mm. Well, it's certainly... It's I, going, sorry, sorry I, go on, Conan, yeah. I just think the statement itself is very condescending towards John as a, as a manager. Like he, They mentioned we have faith in John to move the club forward and as a young manager, John will take the experience of this season and use it to move the side in a positive direction. I just like Even the terms young manager, like we see Stephen Bradley at 38 winning four league titles in a row. John will be similar age to Stephen, like I know in terms of managerial experience, but he's been in the dugout for the last number of years as well, we have to remember. And like I'd be, I'd be very fond of John, won a league with John at St. Pat's. But like he's 35 points off Shamrock Rovers, 25 points off Europe, um, averaged only a goal a game and like and they've already and they've released nine players from that team last year so there's obviously going to be a huge rebuild and like we were just talking about there with Bohemians like how long are you going to that, that takes time to rebuild how long are you, how long are you going to give John are you going to give him the season to, to do this so um, I wasn't too happy with the statement that they released in in in, in in support of John, mm. I think it, it needed to be a bit more um, positive in 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 John's in John's instance. But um, having said that, he's a big job ahead of him, and, and recruitment is huge for Sligo this season. Big job ahead next year for Dundalk as well. They finished fifth out of the European places as well, and, and a lot of things happening or not happening off the pitch as well. And draw had a really good job uh, done by Kevin Doherty consolidating um, in the uh, Premier Division, I should say. And it'll be interesting to see how that goes um, next year as well. Cork City in that playoff against Waterford uh, in Tala on Friday, and then UCD, of course, uh, relegated as well. Um, gents, before uh, we do take a break and turn our attention to Premier League, I tasked you both with picking your team of the season. Conan, I'm going to come to your, uh, you first because um, full disclosure, when I tasked you with this you replied saying, handy number Shane quickest quickest team I've ever picked. Yeah, it actually was. I'd usually kind of have a few different positions where I'd be struggling but this season it was. I just wrote them down I was like, yeah, I think I'm happy with that. So um, yeah, it was this toss up between Marlon and Cairns and goal. Like I, I kind of struggled with with, uh, with the signing of Connor Cairns I've been totally honest mm. given the season he had with Galway United last season So, but I have to think I have to put in Brian Merrick considering that he only conceded 24 goals in 36 games I think that was a, a big one I went for a, a three three box in the middle with uh, wing backs and then a striker up front so my three back my back three would be Joe Redmond Connor Keeley and Pico Lopez um, right wing back Archie Davis considering the amount of assists that he's had this season has been he's probably Dundalk's best player Neil Ferrugia left wing back and then the four in the middle of Gary O'Neill Jamie Lennon Jack Moylan and Chris Forrester and Jonathan Afalabi up front very hard to disagree with any of those as I scribble them down O'Neill Moylan uh, Afalabi uh, certainly uh, players who have all shone um, this season Alan Colley you have it's uh, let, uh, the floor is yours so it's not yeah. a um, not a traditional formation am I right well, to say there's been no real 
there's been lads who've done really well but even in terms of picking a player of the year there's been no real standout candidate if you like and I, I think you. that's a reflection of maybe just the, the league the team performance as well in a lot of situations with clubs um, so I've gone for lads that I feel have just done done really well um, with not a great shape it's more attacking it's all out attack well, you have two centre-halves here or something basically there, if I was a manager tomorrow and I picked this team I'd say there's a good chance we'd be caught in the counter-attack left, right and centre <laughs> but it is, it is um, Brian Maher and goals I agree with Conan on that I think he's the best goalkeeper in the country Um and I mentioned to Manus, who's been an amazing goalkeeper as well. Obviously, he's he's retiring. Sam Curtis, I think, in, as everybody knows, a brilliant young player. Uh, I think he's done really well. Will he be here next year? Hopefully, he will. Yeah. Pico Lopez. And this is another player. Um, I suppose Pico Lopez speaks for himself. This is another young player I'm going to put alongside him as a back three. And I think he's been phenomenal. I think he's the most underrated player in the league. Not even underrated young player. Big show. Gavin Malloy. Gav Malloy. I think he's absolutely fantastic, Shane. He has um, been crucial to Shelburne season. Never gets the mentions. I think I'm the only one that gives him the mentions, but he's brilliant. I think he's brilliant. Um, two then in midfield, Jamie Lennon and James Clark. Again, Declan Devine didn't pick James Clark for a long time uh, in the early part of the season. He used to have me baffled. Second part of the season, or once he emerged in the team, he was absolutely outstanding. Uh, and this is where it's all out attack. <laughs> Burke. <laughs> so you've no wingbacks, right? Graham Burke on the right. <laughs> Right. He had a phenomenal season, stepped up, especially in the second half when Jack was injured and he's into double figures. I think he had 12 league goals. Yeah. Gaffney, another great season for him, their main man, really. Jack Moylan, who I know it looks like the last two games, is he's sprung to life, but he's been brilliant all year. Yeah. Finished as the top scorer as well. You'd have to have him in. Afalabi, because again, top scorer. He's had a brilliant season, carried balls for uh, a large spell in the second half when he came to life. And Rory Keating, because of playing in a bad team. You four strikers. Stri- stri- I've yeah. no time to react to I this. Told but you all four strikers. Right. Uh, and Keating then is in because you have to have him in such a poor team uh, was leading the, the goal scoring charts for so long and then obviously the personal tragedy that he suffered as well yeah. and for him to show the resilience and the character that he did all season um, is a credit to him and I think he has to be in it OK might get caught out on the counter attack I think it's an understatement of the season <laughs> Conan, Alan, thank you we're going to take a short break and then chat Premier League Game on Football now, Alan Colley and Conan Byrne are still with us, but Stephen Kelly has joined the conversation because there is a small matter of a London derby this evening, Tottenham Hotspur versus Chelsea. Stephen, handy one for Spurs, surely? Yeah, I don't know. If, you, if Ruby's on, I was on, he'd be playing my clip now about Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. I've got your back, Stephen. I've got your back. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, I do always worry about the Chelsea fixture for Tottenham. Um, I definitely have them as favourites. Spurs go into an unbelievable form. Um, I was down the training ground on Friday doing a little bit for Spurs and all singing, dancing, all happy, all go lucky. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I just think Chelsea they do have a trend in the um, in the forward area. So yeah, I don't think it's going to be as easy and clean cut as what people expect. But I'd still hoping Tottenham can get the win. Well, Maurizio Pochettino, of course, returning to Tottenham for the first time since his sacking. Ange Postecoglou was speaking about the Chelsea boss. Yeah, no, I'm, I've I haven't come across him as you know, mate. I've lived in a different world for quite a while, and um, so no, I haven't come across him. And um, but yeah, from afar. Great admiration, I think, um, you know, the impact he had at Southampton and then obviously here at Spurs is, is unquestionable and, you know, he's taken on some pretty big challenges post-Spurs as well, which, you know, I'm, I'm all for, like, a, you know, like managers who take on big challenges. So, um, yeah, great admiration and, and respect for, uh, for his work. So respect for Pochettino. It'll be interesting to see what... Uh, 
what uh, he will get returning to Spurs. Here is Maurizio Pochettino. Is this a little bit like going back to see an ex-girlfriend? Going back to Spurs? (laughs) (laughs) My goodness. (laughs) It's difficult because I think with 30, nearly 32 years with my wife. <laughs> and I don't know if I I remember. I don't know even if I, I, I had, you know, girlfriend before my wife. <laughs> that, is, that is why it's difficult to answer that question. <laughs> because I don't know how you can feel. <laughs> Or Maurizio Pochettino it's like an RT investigates never mind a football <laughs> press conference um, Stephen Kelly what what reception will he get from the Spurs fans if they win uh, it won't be great um, but if if Tottenham win they'll be clapping them they'll be loving them it's always funny I was at Villa last weekend and it was marvellous that Canva was playing for Luton against Villa and Villa absolutely hammered Luton and then the Villa fans were all clapping and applauding them whereas if Luton beat them they'd be getting booed off the pitch so it just depends on what happens in the game but I do think the fans hold them really close to their hearts um, he got them to the Champions League final um, and a lot of good that the club have now the foundations and the idea the kind of even though Postacoglu, he plays slightly different, the ideas behind how people will see Tottenham playing, a lot of it comes from Pochettino. So, um, yeah, I, I would like to think he gets a good reception, but obviously if Chelsea were to beat them, not too good. <laughs> well, final question to all three of you. Stephen, starting with yourself, give me a score prediction. How is this one going to play out? 2-1 Tottenham. 2-1 Tottenham. Alan Funny, Colin. I'm going 2-1 Tottenham as 2-1 well. 2-1 yeah. Tottenham as well. Yeah. Do we have a full house, Conan Byrne? Full house. Conan Byrne is Conan Byrne still with us he's hung up he's, he's <laughs> he doesn't gone. care he doesn't care Conan said Chelsea 4-0 <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure he'll be getting on to me now giving out listen Conan Byrne Stephen Kelly enjoyed a match Alan Colley thank you uh, very much for your contribution uh, this evening big thanks to Andrew and Laura Lee uh, who worked on this evening's show Better De Silva is up next with plenty of new music including an Irish debut for Pillow Queen's new single Suffer cannot wait for that one stay tuned here on 2FM I'll be back at 6 o'clock tomorrow from all the game on team it is bye for now